You're listening to Artist Edition, Episode 39, an interview with illustrator Ian Churchill. You can find show notes for this episode by going to esn.fm. You can also find the main Giant Size episode, Giant Size Episode 2, from the links listed on that page. Without further ado, here is Ian Churchill at the recent Dallas Sci-Fi Expo. It's a pleasure to uh, speak with uh, Ian Churchill here at Dallas Comic-Con. Hi. (laughs) The creator of Marine Man, which I'll, I'll ask you about in, okay. a, in a moment, uh, and and really one of uh, one of the most kinetic and uh, dynamic artists working today, if you ask me. That's very kind of you to say so. It's very honest. Okay. Uh, um, I wonder how you got into comics as a fan. What was it? A particular issue that you remember picking up? A particular character? What what got you in? The first thing I think was probably um, Captain America run by uh, John Romita Senior. That was the thing that, you know, it was a reprint um, in the UK that I read when I was a kid, and I just loved it. And uh, that's what made me want to start reading comics, I think. Uh, certainly Marvel comics. I, I had um, an annual of Marvel Man bought for me by my grand when I was a kid as well, and that, I liked all the bright colours. Um, so that kind of drew me in. Um, so I think, I think that's probably what got me into comics. The first... American comic that I ever remember buying was Invaders number ten, and uh, and it's one of those ones where I I, I remember exactly where I was when I bought it. You know, um, I was on a little island in the Channel Islands, actually uh, between France and uh, and England, uh, called uh, Guernsey, and uh, there was a strawberry farm and it had a spinner rack in the restaurant and on it was a few American Marvel comics and we didn't get many of those in the UK um, and so uh, I bought that and that was that was the very first American comic that I ever bought yeah. well you mentioned Marvel Man and I wonder how, mm-hmm. how you feel about uh, the character finally coming back into play about time <laughs> <laughs> all those legal wrangles you know no it's um, it really is about time um, I think uh, there's a whole generation that missed out on on the fun and, and adventure that, that was Marvel Man or Miracle Man, whatever you want to call him. Um, yep, he answers to both. Yeah, he does these days. Yeah, um, you know, when when I was a kid, like I said, my grand bought me this annual, and that was the old stuff, the uh, the McAnglo stuff. <coughs> Excuse me, which um, which I loved, but I I, I loved the uh, the revisionist. Uh, 80s stuff by the writer that must not be mentioned. And, <laughs> the original uh, writer. Yeah. <laughs> um, as much as anyone. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's funnily enough, uh, talking about Miracle Man and Marine Man, um, I was at uh, Richard Starkings' um, studio, Comicraft studio, one, one year, and he had Komoto, which was like dedicated to, um, to Miracle Man, on his shelf, and I was reading through that, and I, we were both reminiscing about how great Miracle Man was. And he said to me, "You know, you should do something that makes you feel the way that you feel about Miracle Man." And I said, "Well, that's a good idea, Rich." You know, and after he said it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And the one character that made me feel that way was my own character, uh, Marine Man, which I created when I was eight years old. Um, it's one of those characters that just, you know, I'd put away in a box for five years and then revisit and t- tweak it and uh, just kind of update it and change it. And so it evolved and grew over the years. And then when I eventually got the opportunity to publish it through Image Comics, courtesy of Eric Stevenson, um, 
I jumped at it and uh, it, it was the most fun I've ever had in comics doing my own character it was very stressful I'm not going to lie to you I think any uh, creator owned uh, venture is, is full of um, uh, stress and because uh, you just never know what's going to happen um, you work at the big companies you get a page rate you go creator owned you don't get a page rate so you've, you've got to figure out a way of financing yourself while you produce the material um, as it turned out I'd just done a run on Red Hulk with Jeff Loeb and I saved my money so that I could live off of that while I did my Marine Man um, project and uh, luckily everybody seemed to really respond well to it um, I, was, I was over the moon when it got nominated for an Eisner Award I, I certainly wasn't expecting that that was uh, all down to Eric Stevenson um, he put it forward without me knowing and uh, <laughs> and I'm very glad he did um, so I, I can't remember what the original question was now I've, I, I, no, I, I, no, I, do, you, I do tend to veer off topic you're answering it okay. and, uh, so continuing on the Marine Man um, mm-hmm. for, for those who are listening to this who may this yeah. may be their, their, their okay. introduction to the yeah. character one of the things I love so much about it is that childlike sense of joy that I had reading mm. and discovering comics like Superman and everything yeah. With this character that uh, that is not is not this isn't the sixth decade of his life. No, this this is why I wanted to do it. I, you know, I, I felt that comics had gotten too dark over the years. Um, I think comics needed an injection of darkness in around '85 when it all started to happen with Watchmen and and The Dark Knight Returns and what have you. But I, I didn't expect it to last 35 years or whatever it was. You know, and, and comics just seemed to be getting darker and darker and darker and. I wanted to try and inject some fun back into it, which is is one of the reasons why I did Marine Man. Another reason was, you know, it's the the comic that I wanted to read when I was eight years old. And I wanted to do an all-ages comic that would appeal to anyone from six to 60, in much in the same way as the old comics by Stan and Jack or Stan and John Romita Sr. were. You know, they were never billed as all-ages comics, but they were essentially all-ages comics. Anyone can pick one of those comics up from the 60s and 70s and really get into it and enjoy it and I just I just wanted a flavor of that really um, not necessarily hearkening back to um, times gone by with rose-tinted spectacles but just to inject a bit of the flavor of the comics that I um, perceived when I was growing up you know um, and so he's he's, um, he's an all-ages character um, I'm hoping to do uh, Volume two very soon. Um, I'm just finishing up on Revenge with Jonathan Jonathan Ross, um, which is going really well. Um, I'm halfway through the last issue of that. Um, it's a complete departure from uh, from my normal stuff. Uh, it's very grounded. It's all set in Mexico and uh, and Hollywood, and very much in real locations. So I've had to use far more reference than I've ever had to before. Um, and it's also very adult. It's not at all like Marine Man. Complete, <laughs> complete, completely poles apart. Actually, Quite yes, yes. There's lots of sex and lots of violence and lots of blood and gore and stuff. But despite all that, it's a very good story. Jonathan's outdone himself, and he's very proud of it. And I'm very proud to be associated with it. Um, and we both hope it really does well. And, and Jonathan Ross, English mm-hmm. TV host. For, yes, for those absolutely. Who aren't yeah. necessarily familiar with him. I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
he is. He's a he, huge comics nerd. He is. He is. Absolutely huge. You should see his collection. I, oh my god. I, I I would say I'd love to, but I don't want to get jealous. He invited me and my wife to his Halloween party uh, this last Halloween just gone, and uh, <laughs> towards the end of the party, he he said, you know, follow me. So we, we we both followed him into this little room off of his kitchen, and this room was just top to floor. Um, full of original comic art, you know Kirby, Ditko, anyone you could possibly imagine, uh, Barry Windsor Smith, you know just reams and reams of the stuff. It was incredible, and the, the best bit for me was when I was a kid. I, I used to like um, there was a, a record uh, called Spider-Man from Beyond the Grave. It was like uh, one of these. It was it was. Um, the voices and sound effects that, and, and you'd, you'd listen to the story and read along with the pictures um, and it was a double LP uh, for those that don't know what an LP is it meant long play <laughs> it was vinyl yeah exactly yeah. this is going back a bit um, and you'd open it up and across the centre of, of the album was um, a comic strip by uh, John Romita Sr. of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And I always loved that record, and, and Jonathan knew this. And it wouldn't surprise me if he put it out, especially on, on, uh, on show for me. But as soon as uh, my wife and I went through into this room, on, a, on like a little easel was the original artwork from that, and I was just blown away. That was absolutely incredible. I was just sort of staring at it with my jaw on the floor. Um, I've never met John Romita Sr., I'd love to, but... Uh, no, I love his artwork, and uh, you know he, he really sort of like was a big influence on my style of drawing, on my on my real style of drawing. You know, um, the Marine Man style, the stuff that I do for Marvel and DC. Ten, you know, I had to learn to do that and be more detailed to sort of like fit in with what was appropriate at the time and stuff. But um, I, 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 you know. I've gone off topic again. No, you no, <laughs> you, I, I promise you, you're dead okay, on. Okay. Um, well, uh, because you mentioned Doctor Strange, I'm a huge Doctor Strange mm-hmm. fan. So is Jonathan, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. I had I had no idea. Well, yeah. I, I wonder if, uh, if 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 that's a character that artistically you've ever had any interest in, in taking Absolutely, on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is it? What is it graphically that interests you in terms of being able to to throw some Doctor Strange art on the page? It's a weird one. I don't know. Doctor Strange shouldn't appeal to me because he's not a straight-up superhero. Um, but he, there was something about him. Maybe it was the Ditko thing. I don't know. But there's just something about him that always that I always gravitated to. Um, and so, but I always loved, like I said, Ramita Senior's um, take on on Doctor Strange. Um, kind of made him more good-looking, but still kind of creepy at the same time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know what, what drew me to Doctor Strange, but I'd like to have a crack at him at some point, you know. But there's ah, hi. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, I, I just got distracted. No, then. no, that's okay. all right. Yeah, yeah. This, this happens at these shows. Yeah. I've had, I've, I've yeah. left things running as people have come up for. Uh, for yeah, 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 yeah. It's always you know run, run with what you got. Well, okay. you, you've got some other stuff to get to. We're, yeah, we're yeah, toward yeah. the end of the day. Okay. Uh, but I thought I'd I'd, uh, I'd finish this out with. You mentioned those uh, those original runs from the '60s as being things that people can just pick up today. Yeah. One of the things I was I was speaking with another artist about is how those original '60s Lee Kirby Fantastic Four stories mm. they still just they just work. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I wonder if in that in that same vein, not necessarily something from that era, but mm. 
if you were making a recommendation to someone who's wanting to get into comics and doesn't want to have to worry about 40, 50, 60, 70 years of continuity to deal yeah. with, what's a, what's a good thing to pick up? Mar- Marine Man, of course. Marine Man, Marine for Man, starters, course. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Marine Man. Marine Man, Marine Man. <laughs> now, I, I, I really like um, Invincible by Robert Kirkman. Uh, I think that's a good way of getting into superhero comics. There are loads comics. of really wonderful Easter eggs hidden throughout yeah, it, yeah. Uh, on top of it yeah. just being its own thing. I, I buy that in the, the ultimate uh, hardback the big, ones, the yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I really enjoy that. I love The Goon by Eric Powell because um, it's funny. Um, as well as being incredibly well drawn and paced and everything, um, so I, I think those two are really good, um, sort of like entry level um, drug of choice, I suppose you'd call it. <laughs> I don't know. As far as comic books go, for someone that hasn't really read comic books before, um, they're very accessible. Those, I think, um, and not mired down with continuity, like you were saying. Um, and of course, you know, any, any of the uh, self-contained stories that Marvel and DC do, even to this day, you know, something like Batman Black and White. Um, just finished. Just finished, yeah. It's, it's not hemmed in by continuity. They're stories that stand by themselves as good stories. Um, not that there's anything wrong with continuity. You know, it obviously works. Um, otherwise, the comic book industry probably wouldn't have lasted as long as it has done. <laughs> over the years but, um, but it's, it's always nice to have a beginning and a middle and an end to a, to a story I think um, as opposed to the, like the continuing ongoing soap opera nature of, of, of uh, monthly comics um, but having said that you know that's what I loved about them when I was a kid you know waiting each month for my next fix of, uh, of the adventures of Spider-Man or, or whatever it happened to be um, thoroughly uh, just looking forward to it I remember times when I'd, I was sick in bed, you know, and then I'd get a stack of comics and it wouldn't seem so bad, you know, it's, yeah, fond memories of growing up with comic books, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, and, and it's a, a pleasure okay. having, a, having a chance to speak with you for your first Dallas Comic Con event. Yeah, no, it's been great. Say first, hopefully, hopefully yeah, hopefully I'll, to future ones. if I get invited back, I'll be coming back, yeah, it's been great. Um, I, I'm just uh, um, disappointed I haven't had more time to look around Dallas and the local area, really. Uh, and to be honest, at the show, I've been so busy, I've, uh, I've not moved from my seat all weekend, so um, <laughs> I haven't even had a bathroom break, so, you know, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been really, really chock-a-block full-on, so um, not that I'm complaining, it's, it's been great, <laughs> everybody's been very friendly, Good. Um, uh, and no, I'd, I'd come back in a heartbeat if I was invited, so yeah. Terrific, well, I, I, I think... Uh, I think- I think they could do far worse. Thank you very much. Than to to have you back. Thanks again, Ian. You're welcome. No problem. As always, you can find show notes for this episode of Artist Edition by going to esn.fm for this episode 39 of Artist Edition. Next week, in this feed, an uncut interview with Terry Moore, who's appeared on the show previously. This time, he's here to mostly talk about Rachel Rising, his latest work, a horror comic, something that isn't usually up my alley, but in this case is so outstandingly well told by one of my favorite independent writer-slash-artists that you've got to pick it up if you're not already reading it. And next week on Giant Size, we will have David Sparks and Casey Liss Two folks from the tech side of things who have been meaning to get back into comics or get into comics in a bigger way. John and I will be doing the first in what will be a multi-part series of helping recommend comics to people live on the air to help them get back into or get into comics in general. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with more Artist Edition.